you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast, an NFL podcast for the players, by the players. Here is your host, 14-year NFL veteran and Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams. Hello and welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast. I'm Aeneas Williams. It is 2020, an election year. And today we're going to talk about that other contact sport, politics. And we have two legends who have made the transition from football to Congress. First, we have as right tackle, who became a two-term congressman from New Jersey, the great John Runyon, Philadelphia Eagles. We also have Scott Turner, who I can outrun, he will admit that, who played eight seasons, served in Congress, and now works for the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Welcome, gentlemen. I do apologize. I could never outrun Scott, so let's get that straight for, <laughs> for the truth. At what point, John, did you decide you wanted to get in politics? It was a weird kind of, it was a transition. I'm obviously, an injury slash surgery ended my career, and there was an opportunity to run. You know, I, I took it as service, ultimately, and, you know, we'll get into it as we talk here, but it became a lot more than that. 
and you know the the stuff you had to go through was it was enlightening it was depressing at the same time but it it was something real and it was it was just an opportunity that I took to actually serve the community whether you know because I've been on many you know I still sit on you know like the Alzheimer's Association a couple of veterans boards and all that kind of stuff but that was the next step and then you get there and you peek behind the curtain and you go oh my lord <laughs> but John you so you're injured no pun on words you decide to run <laughs> you get injured you, you decide to run politics but why politics were you involved in politics while playing i think like most americans i was fed up and pardon my french with the bs got you <laughs> and i was fed up with it and it's like you just need somebody that's a straight shooter and is not going to lie to you because here's what it is when you look at i actually hate the the problem with it is people call it politics it's not politics it's governing and and when you when you look at governing what is governing it's parenting slash coaching. Gotcha. Do your kids like what you have to tell them every day? Not at all. That's the reality of the situation. Now, politics is all, you know, well, you know, let's divide and, con- you know, and divide and, and run to the extremes. I always say when politics is a very, you know, in the House, you need 218 votes to pass anything. So put those, put those votes on a bell-shaped curve. So everything gets done in the hump in the middle. And obviously myself being a Republican from New, Jer- New Jersey, very moderate. Mm-hmm. I was, all the stuff you hear, you know, on the radio, television, in the paper, are out here on the tails. And when everybody latches to that because it's politically convenient to latch to that, you start to stretch those tails. What happens? That hump comes out of the middle of the curve and absolutely nothing gets it's done. done. And I've always, you know, I told, I've told, I told my chief of staff this. I told, um, at the time, Speaker Boehner that I goes, I can vote any way I want to on any piece of legislation, as long as I'm willing to go home and put the time in and communicate my decision to my constituents. And I've called people out. I did it in front of the Republican conference several times. Like, you people are just lazy. You're not willing to actually go home and do the work and explain yourself. You're taking the politically convenient way out and actually going to the edges and, and stretching those tails out. And when you say politically convenient way out, what do you define? What do you mean, John, when you say politics versus governing? Because politics, they always go, well, it's outside of my principles. So what are your principles? How many politicians you know that have have been in it forever and they voted, you know, 10 years ago they voted this way and now they're voting the exact opposite way. So what are truly your principles? No, it's called it's called doing what's right and, and what times change. Issues, the issues never really change. You know, what are the major issues? Taxes, healthcare, military, all that. They never change. But it's how they fit into what your constituents are and what the country feels. So you, 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 you have to be somewhat malleable in that, in that situation. And a lot of people just say, I'm principally opposed to it, so therefore I'm not for it. But they're not having the discussion. They're not communicating. And that, that was the big frustrating part for me. And Scott, how did you, what made you decide to get in politics? <laughs> well, that's a good question. And it was service. 
Um, when I got out of the NFL, um, prior to getting out of the NFL, I interned with a gentleman named Congressman Duncan Hunter, uh, who was in who served with John, uh, the father, Duncan Hunter. Junior served with me. Junior served with you. Okay. Well, we won't talk about him right now. So the, <laughs> the father uh, is, was Duncan Hunter Senior, and he was the chairman of the Armed Services Committee. And so I had a great opportunity to serve as an intern with him when I played for the Broncos. And I saw really what being a true statesman looked like, you know, because you hear a lot of things in politics about politics when you're on the outside. And so when I was with him, I actually got to see how a true statesman, who was also a chairman, you know, of a major committee in Congress, how he carried himself, how he treated people, whether they were in politics or outside. I mean, I saw him literally treat uh, constituents back in the East County of San Diego that had been knowing him for 20 years, but none of us in this room would never even know their name. He treated them just as well as he treated the president of the United States. And when I saw that, you know, I was very encouraged. And when I moved back home to Dallas, um, they said there was a new uh, seat coming open, a state house seat coming open because of redistricting. And the platform that I had had that I had in the NFL of serving players, of serving our community, of serving people, I wanted to continue that in serving the state of Texas, where I'm from, where I was born and raised. And the frustration, like John said, one of the frustrations that I had was humility in being a servant leader, because I, I didn't see a lot of humility in our elected officials. What is a statesman? So a statesman mm -hmm. to me is someone who carries himself in the most upright manner, him or herself, um, that you take very seriously the position in which the people elected you to. And when I say take it seriously, meaning that not that you're above them, but that everything you do, you do in integrity and above reproach. A statesman is someone who, whether they're with you or whether they're not with you, whether they're in your presence or in your absence, you can trust that they're going to do the right thing. A statesman is someone who is an advocate for all of those whom um, elected them to office, whether they're popular or not. A statesman is someone who, when they give you their word, you know they're going to make true on their word. They're trustworthy. And I remember one day when I was sitting in the House of Representatives and it was during a budget debate. So it was late at night. Don't use that word. Okay. Don't use what word, John? Budget. Why? We, we balance the budget in Texas. In Texas. Because a budget would assume that there's a balance. Money in, money out. Not so much. It's a... Spending spree right. is what it is. Except in Texas. Well, we balance the budget every two years because we're in the House. We're in session every two years. We're, so we're biannually. And so we were having this debate on the floor. And I was sitting there and I was hearing both Democrats and Republicans going back and forth, back and forth with really no consensus, really no, no end game or vision in mind. And I was sitting there and I was like, you know, we need more statesmen in our country than we need politicians. And politicians to you, I heard what John said, but what do you mean when you say politicians? A politician to me is somebody that makes decisions based upon being reelected. A politician to me is someone who makes the decision not based upon principle or uh, based upon their conviction, but really based upon, you know, is this going to keep me in good favor? Convenience. Yeah, it's convenience. Is this going to keep me in good favor with the leadership? 
is this going to, you know, cause me any kind of uh, contention back home? Or is this going to keep me as a committee chairman? Those, that's what politicians do. And politicians are also those people who want to be elected and will do everything they can to keep their position. Statesmen say, I'm coming to serve for a certain period of time. I'm going to do my job. I'm in a humble manner with integrity to serve my community. And then I'm going home. There's a, there's a big difference between statesmen and politicians. So would you say, listening to that, because if I want to get reelected, if I become, quote unquote, the statesman, meaning making decisions in this room because it's right. Not necessarily. What if what my constituents want is not right? Well, I faced that because a lot of times I made decisions where some constituents back home would say, no, we want you to do the, the opposite thing. And I've had to take some really hard votes, as John has as well. But one thing I found is that because they respected me for the man that I that I am, even though I made a decision that went against what they thought I should do, I had no problem in being reelected because they could trust that what I said I was going to do, and that my conviction was such that I did the right, what I thought was the right thing. And they trust you, even if they don't agree with you on a hundred percent. If they can trust you then you have no problem, you should have no problems being reelected and um, maintaining your position as a representative. Because it's very easy, a politician can make one decision a day and a totally different, like John said, 10 years later, they make a whole different decision. Well, our constituents don't deserve that. Gotcha. They deserve somebody who's gonna be consistent and trustworthy. John, are there any parallels with football that you learned that's helped, that helped you prepare for being an elected official? I mean, a lot of them. I mean, specifically coming from playing offensive line, you know, the the own son hero. No one's talking about you till you mess something up. Gotcha. Like, you know, you you guys got credit for things that we never got credit for. We only got acknowledged for our mistakes, you know, and 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 it's a lot that. So, like like we say, it's like, you know, when you look look across the political spectrum, there's a role for everybody. And you all have different constituents that have different needs and different wants and all that type of stuff. And you have to represent them regardless. But at some point, you have it on the football team. At some point, you know, you know, you want your, you know, you want your pass breakups, you want your tackles right. and all that. Well, I'm trying not to give up a sack. It's a totally different, you know, sure. statistic there. Mm -hmm. But at some point, we all have to come together, you know. And, and it's it gets to the point where they want to win everything, but it's sometimes like when you're backed up in the end zone, it's good enough to get 10 yards to get your punter room to punt and change the field position. And, you know, using those analogies a lot of time, and they do use them, but they don't believe in them because they don't, they haven't lived they haven't experienced it. They that, haven't right? lived it. Gotcha. And it's, it's sometimes it's really hard to express that, that type of stuff. And it's also, it's also the thing like you don't want your teammate like, you know, after a game or, you know, in a press conference throwing you under the bus. Like, it's like, let's keep, let's keep our differences in house and let's just move the ball forward. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where the politics comes in because they go out and there's like, well, I'm going to go out here and do this press conference and beat my chest and, you know, say this is ridiculous and this that's ridiculous. One of the great things I know John Boehner said in the beginning when I got elected, he goes, never say what you won't do because you never know. Hmm. 
What did that mean to you? It's it's really it's like because depending on how deep you get into any issue and how well you know that issue, the more the more you dig into it, it's going to change your mind eventually. So never say you won't do it. Gotcha. So it's it's really about gaining knowledge, and that's and it's learning, and it's like Scott said, it's like it's talking to everyone possibly you can. I know you know there's a lot of members that just won't take meetings with certain people, just because of their political affiliation or you know where they're coming from. And it's like no, I'm gonna every time I have conversations with somebody, I'm gonna learn something from them. So the more I can talk to people, the more I'm gonna learn, the better I'm gonna be off, and the better decision I can make at the end of the day. Scott, how is winning the election similar or dissimilar to winning a game? There are similarities because even when in an election, you have an end goal in mind that you want to win the election, be elected, and serve the people. In sports, you have an end goal in mind. Every Monday when we come in and we start the process, the end goal is that on Sunday we walk off the field winners. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling is somewhat similar and somewhat different. You know, you get an exhilarating feeling because you won. I remember when I got elected and they called and say, hey, you won. I just remember the first thing I thought about is how many signs I put out, how many roundtables I've done, how many doors, thousands of doors I've knocked on, you know, how many people I've talked to. And so when you get that phone call and say, you won the election, it's this, there's a very exhilarating sense of accomplishment sense of, whoa, I'm glad that's over in, in a good way, and a sense of, okay, what's next? And so there's a lot of similarities. You got to get back to work. You got to get back to work, you know, because as soon as I got elected, the first, after, I, you know, that sunk in, the first thing I thought about, okay, what are my priorities? I talked about them in the campaign. I said, okay, now, you know, now I can go implement these or talk about these in-house. Did your colleagues treat you any differently because your NFL experience? Were For you sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, once you're a part of that group, hey, we don't care where you come from, but they treat you a little different. Did you? I, I think that that kind of goes to, I think, where we've kind of went off the rails in politics because it was supposed, you know, back you know, 200 years ago when this started, you know, you left your print shop, you left the farm, you know, and you came and served. Now, now what happens? We have a bunch of people that, you know, Studied political science undergrad, got a JD law degree in college, and and I'll throw them under the bus right now. There are a bunch of people that probably will never make partner in a law firm, and all of a sudden they decide to run for politics. We have enough of those. We need more real people, and, and bringing those experience. I used to say it on the campaign trail all the time: we all fall, we all fail, and we all get up and we dust ourselves off. In very different ways. I may get up on my left knee first. You get up on your right knee first. You know, my back may hurt. I've learned lessons from that fall. But you got to have that, that, that swath of experiences to bring that because it, it, it's not easy. It's very, very complicated. That's why it's, it's really, really hard to fix because they're very complicated issues. And say you're gonna, just going to, in a stroke of a pen and, you know, a 200-page piece, piece of legislation, you're going to solve the country's problems. It ain't going to happen. It's constant, constantly going out, learning, educating people, letting people know, you know why you did what, what you did and why you didn't do what you didn't do and all that kind of stuff. It's, it, it's challenging. And it, you know, 
it's no different than being on the football field. You know, game plans change week to week, depending on who the opponent is. You know, so and, they change at halftime. You know, and legislation changes day to day. But the fans don't get to vote on what plays are they called. Don't. They, don't. they don't. But tell but me about that. that. But look at that. I mean, fans don't get to vote on what plays is called. But you know, you know, look at that. It's like it's no different than the coaching staff. Like. All right, the coach thinks this is the best thing. And so when you look at the structure of, like, to say leadership in any of those governing bodies, you know, they're the ones that have the experience and the knowledge and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, this is the best path forward for the team. Yeah. You know, overall. Overall. And the players don't really get to vote on that. No. You're just like, go you out. You get a little input, go right? Out Depends. Yeah. But it's a lot. Correct. It's not. It's a lot like that in in gotcha. in government. But you have a say in. At the end of the day, you can say no. But if they if it makes enough sense, enough people are going to go with it, and then try to try to run that play. It's not necessarily going to work. So here's a great question: Ten years with Arizona, only one year in the playoffs with me. First ten years in the league. I'm listening to the challenges. I'm listening to you, John. When you're on perennial losing teams like that, there's a tendency for players to become losers. So one of the things was to be to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Right. Thermometer, as you guys know, go up and down based on the losing. Instead of working your butt off regardless, because players don't necessarily totally control the outcome of a game. How have you been able to stay hopeful when you've been seeing the things that you've talked about, John, have you have you maintained? Oh, we still can win in this country at this. Tell me about that. Like I said, I mean, there's there's good in everybody. Well, you can either choose to look at the good, mm-hmm. or you can choose to go the negative way. So let's just let's take the view and say, what can we agree on, and let's do it. You know, there's you know, and then once we do something. Because you, you've been on teams when you're winning, that confidence builds and that, you know, that emotion starts to grow and it it just explodes on you. But if you're always saying it's like, woe is me, this, this, you know, this sucks and all this kind of stuff, like winning's a lot hard than, harder than losing. Because losing, you just show, like, you know, when you're in the legislature, you just throw your hands up and say no to everything. That's the easy way out. Right. How do you find the solution? And you have to find the good in people and, and find what you agree on and actually have conversations with them. It happens more often than not, but the unfortunate part, I think you know, when you throw the word politics in it, it becomes, it becomes a soundbite. It becomes a tweet. It becomes a, you know, a clip on the evening news. And that's what they're playing to. And that's the frustrating part about it because and I've served with a lot of them. And I'm like, why do you go out and say that? Because I know you're not that person. You're just trying to get a hit because you're trying to get reelected. If you do the right thing and you communicate with your constituents, you don't have a problem getting reelected. But that's that's kind of the world we live in, and it's frustrating. And that's, frankly, why I stepped away from it. Wow. Scott, at Southern University, where I, I attended, my brother was vice president of the Student Government Association. I didn't care anything about governance at all. Only I ended up running for what sophomore class senator I won. 
when I got in a room and saw the budget, that, that amount of money, it was like $60 million for the student governments to govern. I'm looking around the room. First of all, I know about me. I'm, I'm in here only because of my brother. I'm thinking, they allow us to decide what's going to happen with $60 million. So when I have that perspective, some inexperienced young students who had no clue about what we were doing, did you ever feel that way in the room? What, this huge now trillion dollar, billion dollar budget? Yeah, and that's... And I, and I want to answer that. Then I'm going to go back to the question you asked, John. Yes, because you go in and it kind of be overwhelming, you know, in particular in Texas. As I say, you know, we meet every other year and we and one of our constitutional obligations is to balance the budget. What do you mean you meet every other year? Meaning so the budget, this, we're in session every, every other, other year, year instead of every year. But yeah, because we're called servant leaders. So. We are people in Texas that have businesses or that have jobs, and you step away from that like it was from the origination. The original. Right. So you were never really supposed to be lifetime? Full-time, no. Elected officials, is right. that what it is? That's how, And so we serve. You're always elected for those two years, uh, barring anything that happens, but you're only in session for 140 days every other year. And one of the things we were constitutionally mandated to do was balance the budget. In Texas, we have about a 212, $215 billion budget. And you're one of 150, you know, representatives to make a decision on passing the budget. And so that could be quite overwhelming, especially my first session. But the good thing about it is that you have a team of people that are working together, both Democrat and Republican, uh, and, uh, you know, a group of attorneys and CPAs and all of that that surround you uh, to bounce your ideas off, to get advice from. You talk to your constituents, you have a list of policies. You have things that you have to, you know, fund. Healthcare education in Texas is about $150 billion. So we only have about 11% discretionary funding for everything else, roads and this, that, and that. Mm -hmm. And so it can be, um, as you say, you know, you're in there like, man, what am I doing here? But as you get into it, you learn. You know, if, if you if you put the effort in, you learn about the process, you learn about it. And that's part of our job to learn as much as we can in order to make a right decision to benefit the people of Texas. And that's the part you mentioned, John, in terms of being lazy. Yeah. And that's what and that's Going what he's talking about. Like having gotta, these conversations that yeah, way you met, John. Yeah, because it's all, you know, staying away from the political aspects. It's like you, you ever voted for a piece of legislation that you 100 percent agreed with? <laughs> maybe <Never>. one. <laughs> Just one, maybe. So but in other words, that legislation it's not gonna happen. is not 100% no, what you don't you like want. like everything no. in it. No. It's compromised. But when you throw it back into the bell-shaped curve, you need those, you know, those votes in the middle. You're going to have votes on either side. But the only thing that most people that aren't engaged in the process here is the stuff out on the tails of that bell-shaped curve. Gotcha. And that, that's the frustrating part about it, which comes back to the elected member to actually go out and do the town halls and educate people and have those conversations, a lot of times it's not pleasant. Because people, like like I said, you know, governing is parenting slash coaching. You're not going to like what gotcha. I have to tell you, but, but there's a the reason best why we're doing it. Gotcha. And, you know, it, it's just... So it's your responsibility to the best you can to help your constituents yes, understand. Yes. And I, I, used to, I used to bust... In the little orphan state of New Jersey that I represented, so South Jersey is really an orphan compared to North Jersey because most of the population is up north. And I, I would, you know, I'd, I'd poke people. I guess, 
When's the last time you saw one of our senators in South Jersey and it wasn't a, an election year? We go, you got a point. But that's that's the reality of what you're doing. Or is like, are you actually going out and learning the dynamics of every, you know, every little thing, you know, small business, whether it's, you know, you know, a a fishing port or, you know, mom and pop shop and all that. Are you are you having those conversations, learning what their issues are and what you can do to actually help them to make their life better? Because small business is the is the engine of this country. They, you know, small business employs way more people than any, you know, Fortune 500 company will. Because when you do it, you know, by five, by 10, it's exponential. And how many small businesses are in your backyard? Most people don't know. And that type of stuff you do as a member to go out and learn and meet those people, it's amazing to see the amount of, you know, the amount of just knowledge and, you know, entrepreneurship that people have that go out and employ these type of people it's it's amazing but a lot of people don't put the time in to do it because they run to the principled aspect of it and say it's just not good enough so once again having the right people around you to help you well that's you can't i i said this i, I used to say it on campaign trail ends like i've never done anything in my life by myself i've always depended on having the right people around me trust their their counsel their guidance and their experiences and trust in them and you have to have trustworthy people around because you can't you can't humanly do it this word i just did an earlier podcast this word trust keep coming up and here it goes back to the constituent constituents trusting you talked about the statesman right while planning a league and even as an elected official did you guys have mentors that that kind of help you navigate in the sport of football and then navigate in and what I would call the game of politics, if I would call it that. Yeah, of course. Mentors. Anybody yes. comes to mind? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, you are a great mentor to me. And not just in football, but even now in life. Because you know exactly when I make big decisions, you're always a part of it. And so not only did you mentor me in life and in football, from the time I was in college, I was a freshman in college when I met Aeneas. That was in 1991, and this is 2020, and we still have the same type of mentor-brotherhood relationship. And so, but because of that, I've been able to not only receive from you and the other mentors that you know are in our circle, but now I can take that and mentor other people in life now, in sport, in politics, and now my current assignment at the White House. And, you know, you said something uh, a while ago about, are we hopeful? You know, and how can we trust that it's going to be good? And obviously, you know, and in agreeing with John, yes, I'm hopeful. Mm -hmm. And in my current role, you know, at the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council, mm -hmm. uh, you always said something this. You said, begin with the end in mind. Yes. Right? And the end goal is in our country, we got 35 million people, close to 50 million people that live in poverty. So the end goal is how do we not only eradicate poverty, but how do we lift these people up or help them to lift themselves up out of poverty and to fulfill their God-given potential and to live self-sustaining lives? Well, this legislation with the um, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017, it created the Opportunity Zones. Gotcha. And inside of these Opportunity Zones, you know, that was a bipartisan you know, decision because poverty doesn't care what party you're in. Poverty is a systemic issue in our country. And this word trust comes up because now it's 
can we trust our elected officials? Can we trust, you know, the decision that has been made by the president, the administration, and now really myself, that this particular policy will cross political lines, cross generational lines, cross socioeconomic lines, and actually bring about a viable solution. And I've been in this position the last year. And what I have seen is that Democrats and Republicans have had to come together at the same table with local stakeholders, community leaders, faith leaders, education leaders, what have you, to look at the pain of the community, but also now look at the potential and the promise in the community. And there's a trust factor there, Niz, because they have to trust that what I'm telling them, this legislation that I'm carrying, this law, this council that I'm stewarding, they have to trust that this will work if we do A, B, and C and come together. And so I'm hopeful because I'm seeing results that are bringing people together across party lines. And you also have to trust that the bureaucrats that are actually enforcing the legislation you pass are doing it in the same manner. The same spirit. In the same spirit. And when you Which is a little bit difficult because now you get into legal interpretations of a piece of legislation. And then you got to go back and amend the law a year later and, and do all that. And that, that, that gets even more touchy. And when you mention bureaucrats, what exactly do you mean? Think about how many people work for you know, the state of Texas or the United States federal government. You know, once you pass something into law, now they have to implement the law. That's their job. But there are legal interpretations to everything. It's like, I mean, you know, you've handed a contract to two different attorneys and got two different answers. Correct. Gotcha. And that's... That's part of the thing when you're trying to craft legislation to try to pinpoint it, but you don't, the problem is when you pinpoint it so direct, people fall out of that, they fall out of that cone because you're, you're pointing at one issue, but what about the issue that's, you know, you know, 10 feet outside that one? What about the next 15? So you're entrusting a lot of the bureaucrats that actually implement these laws to do the right thing and interpret the spirit of the legislation you're doing, because when you pinpoint it, that's law and they can't vary from it. So you have to give them some discretion in the actual legislation. So what I hear, John, I saw a picture as you're talking. So um, so all of a sudden now I'll pass, I, I saw passes. So the people pass to the elected official, their desires, and they're trusting you're gonna catch the ball and do something with it, right? What they've asked you to do, what their hearts desire. And then now you're telling me, once you guys voted in, not the bureaucrats, they get the ball. We, that's, then, <laughs> that's the play that was called. Right. Called yeah, the now play. they got to run it. Right. Now you got to execute it. And then you mentioned the word trust again. So you got to trust. You could drop the pass. Right. You know, you could, you know, it could be an 80 yard <laughs> touchdown. You know, it could right. be a five yard swing pass. You don't know. And that's that's the reality of it. But don't it's just like, no, that's, that's, that's well, just like on your team. Nia you in Arizona for 10 years. And y'all didn't have a lot of win and see. You went to the playoffs one time. Correct. But one thing that happened is they trusted you and they followed you and your leadership because they saw what you did. You trusted the guys on your defense because you saw how they practiced. You saw how they prepared. You know, it's the same way with John on the offensive line. He had to trust those four or five guys with him that when they made that call that everybody was going to do the right thing because of preparation. It's the same thing here. You know, you, you spend hours with the men and women that you serve with and you see how they prepare or not. 
you know, you see how they treat their constituents. You see how they run their office. You see how they treat their uh, staff members. Right? Oh, it's all very telling. And so you know who you can trust and who you cannot trust. And that circle becomes smaller. Hold, hold, hold up. When you said even how they treat their staff members, I saw a chuckle or something that hit you, John. What was it? There's a lot of people that don't treat their staffs right. And that speaks something to and you. It, it shows up when you speak to them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very telling. I mean, it's people. It's I just mean, like we treat people that are supportive. It's family. I mean, you know, I had a staff of 16 people. They're my family. Like, I still talk, I still talk to them, you know, every other couple months, you know, to this day, bounce ideas off of them and all that kind of stuff. They're family. Family. Because they have your back. You know, and it's not, I mean, you're going to make mistakes, but you know, it's like, we told, you know, we recommended this to you and all this kind of stuff, but, you know, ultimately, you know, six months later, it was a bad decision. All right, well, let's regroup. I'm not going to, I'm not holding a grudge against you. I love you. We all make mistakes. I, I, just, I used to say it on a campaign trail. There was only one perfect person that ever walked the face of this earth. And he sit next to, sits, sits next to the Lord. Nice. Final question, a couple, two final questions. Number one, if former legends are thinking about politics, what thought should they have if they're considering doing it? What they're willing to give up. Because it costs you. It costs you a lot. Hmm. Are you willing to give up your time with your family? Are you willing to um, have your life be an open door? Are you willing to give up your income? You know, depending on what you run for. Uh, are you willing to... It's an income drop, no matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially in Texas. We make $600 a month in Texas. <laughs> wow. You know, so what, do you, what price are you willing to pay? What are you pay? giving up? What are you willing to give up? Yeah. Final question. Which, if you had to choose again, would you choose football or politics? I'm all in football, man. This, this is my passion. This is my life. I... Yeah, it. Um, I would choose football because football was the the catalytic tool that the Lord used that I can do what I do now. You know the other thing about football, it's, you know, it's like yeah, politics is very analytical and yeah. brainy and heady. So is so is football. But you know what? On a football field, I can go impose my will on another man. Yeah, you can't do that and in politics. make a difference. <laughs> I have way more control on a football field than I do co-signing a piece of legislation. There's nothing like it. You know, we've been in the highest halls of Congress, White House. You know, literally the epicenter of our country and the free world, and we're very blessed to do so. But the thing about football, there is nothing that you can compare to be an NFL player. And I'm so grateful for that experience. So I would choose football any day of the week. And because of the transferable skills and the opportunity it gives you to do things outside of football, which could be for the next podcast, right. uh, I think is, is really unbelievable. John and Scott, this has been great, man. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for listening in. The best is yet to come. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at nfllegends at nfl.com.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.